Welcome to Home From Home, a podcast where we answer your questions with our experiences and questionable advice. We're just two guys who like guys but love God. This is a safe place for real conversation. We'll talk about the highs and lows of life as a disciple with added baggage. Can we help you with that? Welcome to your Home From Home. In this special episode, we welcome Ellen Radcliffe to help Thomas answer your questions all about therapy and same-sex attraction. Stick around and welcome to your home from home. Okay, well, welcome back, everybody. Today we have a very special episode. It is just me by myself. Uh, Topher is not here with us, uh, but I do have a very special guest who decided to come back for another episode so we have ellen radcliffe from strength and weakness uh say hello to everyone ellen hey guys thanks so much for having me back thomas yeah thanks for coming how's it been what's what's been going on for you well life is still going on Uh, so i've got my therapy practice that you know is just a little bit overrun right now uh with the pandemic i think a lot of people are needing some extra help to get through it so been navigating that Everyone's in crisis mode, huh? Yeah, yeah. Wow, so great. And, uh, you know, Paul isn't going to be joining us today, but how is Paul doing? He's doing well. Yep, I'm flying solo today. Won't be talking about our relationship today. I think we probably divulged enough last time we were on about our relationship. <laughs> you get, we got to know all about how that works. That's right. Yeah, how does that work? You already know. <laughs> I think it's so funny because on that episode, you were talking about the uh, your guys's uh what is it rant raven repent uh-huh. and so i was telling uh soph about that and i was like you know we should we should steal that and so yeah. uh we you know i'm now learning how it works because i'm now navigating uh married life which is uh very different than single life but i uh i enjoy it a lot yeah i have a a form i can send you that i just kind of put together for clients to sort of navigate i just call it intentional connection rant raven yeah. is one way to do that but yeah i'll send it right. to you as your wedding gift <laughs> oh there you go well we we actually play this game so it's this card game um that the it, it like got really big on social media and they ask like really provocative like open-ended question that's mm-hmm. supposed to like foster you know connection and communication and all those things so they'll have questions like what what is your biggest fear in our relationship Mm -hmm. or when i do this how does that make so it's like really provocative questions that will like get you kind of going and so soph and i since we started dating we played that game and we love it so every so often we'll we'll kind of play it and it and it ends to good you know conversation i think soph and i are really great at facilitating conversation with each other but i think some prompts sometimes is also is also nice yeah kind of get you out of the everyday how was your day fine how was your day (laughs) exactly deeper connection that's great i see yeah yeah exactly so without further ado i thought we would jump in and to talk about why ellen is here so we got this question in that i just thought would be really great to kind of pick ellen's brain about um, because Ellen is a professional therapist. Um, you know, she is a licensed, is that marriage and family therapy? Or? So I'm duly licensed. I'm provisionally licensed in both of my licenses, um, but I'm okay. a uh, licensed clinical mental health counselor associate and a licensed marriage and family therapist associate. Okay, perfect. 
Well, thank you. Yeah, you have all of the titles and all of the backgrounds <laughs> to help us with this question. So this question reads, well, first, hello, uh, Topher and Thomas. Um, you just got Thomas today, Topher's gone. Uh, <laughs> first, I want to say a huge thank you for this show. You have no idea how helpful I find Home From Home. Oh, I'm really glad. I sincerely appreciate this breath of mountain air in the midst of life's mom. Wow, that's really mm. descriptive. I really yeah. like that. So I'm an undergraduate psychology student. And I wondered if you thought that people who are SSA uh, can be helpful as counselors or therapists for other SSA people, looking at myself here. So if so, do you have any advice for someone who wants to professionally come alongside people who are struggling to work out this crazy thing that is being same-sex attracted and following Jesus? So, wow, that's that's a really great question. You know, I'm going to let Ellen take that that question. I think my immediate thoughts are um I think shared experience is important. You know, and I think when we talk about um when we talk about therapy or in our counseling classes, um there is, you know, something that we say, you know, it is good to have shared experience. It is good to understand the world of the client from personal experience. Um I think the challenge that can come from that though and this is something that I even find with my work in strength and weakness. And it's not that I'm providing therapy per se, you know, I'm just providing support. I think sometimes if you're not careful, your own as the therapist, your own kind of triggers, your own stuff can kind of come up. And I had to really, you know, be careful of, you know, if I'm helping somebody and they're sharing really emotionally vulnerably, like, for me, that's really big in my connection and that can foster some connections. So I have to be really careful to like be mindful of where I let that relationship kind of play out. And I have to remind myself that this is like almost like a professional relationship. And I certainly care about this person as a person, but like I have to put proper boundaries in my heart so I don't get those wires crossed, if that makes sense. Mm. What do you think about that, Ellen? Yeah, I mean, thoughts. I definitely agree that there would be some uh, unique challenges within that dynamic and some unique benefits. I think, you know, just generally speaking, of course, yeah, of course, the same sex attracted therapist could help a same sex attracted client for sure. I mean, um, you know, a parallel situ situation, right, could be uh, trauma, you know, having a therapist who's been through the same kind of trauma that you've been through can be really helpful and even desirable for a client. You know, sometimes clients only want a therapist who has been through what they're going through. We see that a lot with addiction. You know, often a client will want a therapist who is also in recovery from an addiction because they can inherently understand some of those complex nuances of that uh, of that situation. So, you know, yeah, there might be an understanding and a, a level of empathy there that might not exist in a therapist who has not gone through um, addiction treatment themselves. So, yeah, I, I think it's definitely possible for a same-sex attracted therapist to be in a therapeutic relationship with a same-sex attracted individual. I don't think it's absolutely necessary for someone who's same-sex attracted to have no. only a same-sex attracted therapist. Um, you know, I think what's much more important is the fit that you have with your therapist, you know, not necessarily their exact life experiences. Uh, in fact, you know, there may be some unique benefits in not having a same-sex attracted therapist if you're a same-sex attracted individual. You know, there may 
uh, be uh, a unique perspective from not being in that personal life experience that might help a same-sex attracted individual as they're navigating that in their life. Sometimes an outsider's perspective can be really beneficial. I think especially if you're coming at it from a Christian lens, you know, um, if these are two Christians, same, uh, same-sex attracted Christian therapist, same-sex attracted Christian client, uh same-sex attraction definitely has some unique nuances, but we all, Christians, all of us, we know what it's like to try to fill that God-sized hole in our hearts uh, with something that this world has to offer that's that's outside of God. You know, that's just part of the human experience, part of the human condition. Now, we all try to fill it with our own unique things, right? Whether it's food, uh, romantic relationships, alcohol, work, homosexuality, et cetera, et cetera. But trying to fill that void with something outside of God is not unique to those who are attracted to the same sex. So if this is a same sex attracted Christian client and a non same sex attracted Christian therapist, I don't see an inherent problem with that dynamic um, as we can all relate to having earthly temptations that only leave us more thirsty for that living water. Um, But what a same sex attracted therapist can uniquely relate to is maybe the marginalization that can come from being same-sex attracted in this world and or within the church. Uh, but again, you know, marginalization is not unique to the LGBTQ community. No. It affects it affects them in a unique way, but um, almost everyone can relate to feeling, you know, out of place and shame and fear. So, um, you know, a therapist definitely doesn't have to be same-sex attracted, but certainly could have some useful experience that could help in that dynamic. Yeah. So, I mean, I think to the listener who's thinking about that, like, yeah, like I think you coming from that perspective or or having that same thing can be really helpful. But what do you, what advice do you think you would have for, for somebody who has same sex attracted, wanting to be a therapist for other people who are same sex attracted? Like, how do we manage, how do we make sure that we're managing our own stuff and our own triggers and not I mean, the clinical word, right, is projection, right? How do we not project our issues, our triggers onto the client? Or how do we keep ourselves centered? Yeah, well, I think sort of what you're even alluding to might be assumption. You know, we have to be careful when we've gone through Mm -hmm. something that someone else has gone through. Sometimes, yeah, we can project our own experience onto their experience because there are similarities and we can assume some things. Uh, And sometimes, right, that can be a benefit of having a non-same-sex attracted therapist is that they might ask questions and really, you know, tease out your story in a way that a same-sex attracted uh, therapist might not think to because uh, they are sort of projecting, right? I think um, another thing to be aware of is compassion fatigue. (laughs) If you've gone through something uh, that is similar to what someone else is going through, we might have less compassion for someone who's going through it now because Mm. uh, we know what it's like to wrestle through that particular experience that they're a part of right now. And so our our compassion, our empathy might be a little bit less than it would be if we hadn't gone through that experience. I think Mm. sort of along with that, it would also sometimes be easy to get stuck in a certain mindset, right? Um, When your client is going through something that you have gone through or are going through, 
sometimes we can feel stuck because our own stuff starts to come out. You know, our client is expressing something that we've felt and then we can feel like, yeah, I felt that too. What did I do to get out of that? Or actually, I still feel that way, right? And then we can, you know, just feel stuck right alongside them. So just just something to be aware of, something to get some, you know, supervision on if you're a therapist sort of experiencing that compassion fatigue, stuckness. Uh, I think... Obviously, we need to mention um, attraction could be an issue, right? If you have two same-sex attracted <laughs> uh, therapist and client, and uh, they're both of the same sex, I, I think with any you know client therapist relationship, that's something to be aware of because um, it is a really vulnerable time. You're really kind of bearing your soul as the client, and so uh, definitely something to be aware of, especially as a therapist, to make sure that boundary is intact. Make sure you're you know, engaging in proper self-care to make sure that you are getting your needs met through God and the people that God has put in your life, not through that client and that relationship. And then, yeah, kind of like what you mentioned, Thomas, um, it could be really triggering, right, to have a client as a therapist who is uh, experiencing something that you have or do experience, especially if you're a Christian and your client is not a Christian, right? Like, can you imagine mm. having someone come into your office every week and saying, you know, express, you know, sharing their um, homoerotic temptations and how they engage, indulged in them, you know, and, and they're not uh, abiding mm-hmm. by the biblical mm-hmm. sexual ethic. That could be really triggering. Uh, one, in terms of temptation, but even yeah. uh, just having someone talk about their experience in this, something that you've gone through, that could be, that could trigger some big emotions, right? Someone sharing the shame that they feel from their family or that they've been cast out from their family or that they feel so out of place and marginalized, that could bring up some big feelings for the therapist who has or is going through similar emotions and similar experiences. So I think, you know, the therapist would want to be careful of counter transference there. Uh, and then I, you know, finally, I think we need to be really careful as therapists to operate based on the client's worldview. You know, we might Mm -hmm. hold to the biblical sexual ethic as the therapist in our personal lives. I had a professor that used to say the book of our life though, goes on the shelf when our client walks in the door, right? They are not beholden to Mm -hmm. our worldview or our personal, uh, beliefs and values. And so, if you are a, ther- a Christian therapist who's attracted to the same sex and you abide by the biblical sexual ethic and someone who's attracted to the same sex comes into your office and they don't, um, you know, we really have to be careful not to impose our worldview, our values on them. Yeah. And how, what tips would you have for that? Like, how are we able to uh, make sure that we're not imposing our own views? How do we, I like the analogy you said about putting your book, the book of your life on the shelf. Like, how would you go about that if you had somebody who was same-sex attracted um, or part of the LGBT community and didn't hold to the same views as you did, maybe wasn't Christian or is Christian and doesn't hold to that how do you as a Christian therapist kind of put your view aside to be able to support your client? Yeah, well, I'm really grateful. I mean, obviously, um, you know, as a licensed therapist, we have a code of ethics that we have to abide by. And that is, mm-hmm. you know, uh, part of our ethics is that we cannot operate based on our worldview, but the client's worldview in session. What I'm really grateful for is that this does not negate my 
belief in God, right? This does not negate my mm-hmm. theology. In 1 Corinthians 5.10, it says that as Christians, we're called to judge those inside of God's kingdom and not outside. That is mm-hmm. up to God, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think mm-hmm. even just having my ethical code and my theologic, my, you know, theological code, my theology go hand in hand in that is really um, relieving to my heart. You know, when I walk into a session with someone who is not a Christian, does not hold to the biblical sexual ethic, you know, indulges in their tempta- their earthly temptations in a way that I wouldn't, um, it's helpful, obviously, to abide by my ethical code, but also to remember that this is not violating my conscience before God. He tells me the same thing. It's not up to me to demand righteousness from every single person, but rather uh, to leave that to him. Yeah, I think that's so key um, because I know that like a lot of people don't necessarily remember that. And I think it's so easy um, cause I, I remember being in, in class once and having a friend who also was a Christian and be like, Hey, if a client came to me and talked about something about like abortion or talked about anything that was kind of triggering his own stuff, he was like, I don't know how I would be able to handle that yeah. because, you know, I don't know if I could be supportive of that. And I told him the same thing. And I said, well, you know, our job is to judge the people inside the church, not outside. And I think even in my own work with strength and weakness, you know, sometimes we come along people who are trying to figure out their faith journey and maybe haven't arrived there yet or don't want to hold to that belief or maybe their parents make them come or, or you know, make them do these things, but they themselves don't hold those beliefs. I think that's so, it's relieving to me to be like, okay, like I can support this person as a person and that doesn't have to violate my conscience. And I think it's also relieving for us to realize that we're not like it's not our job to save these people like god is gonna put the right people in their life to influence however they need to be influenced and that may not be us and that's okay Mm. yeah and i think you know one of the core tenets of strength and weakness is you know differentiating between acceptance and approval right even Mm. we talk a lot Mm. with parents about this but this would fit in this (laughs) dynamic as well with a therapist and a client who hold to different worldviews, you know, I don't Mm -hmm. personally approve of every decision my clients make, but I absolutely do accept their autonomy, you know, the, their ability that not only do my ethics give them, do, does our world, our culture give them, but also God gives them the free will to live their life however they'd like to, whether that's for God or, or not, you know, um, if God doesn't strip them of that free will, I certainly don't have the power to. So yeah, I think there's a difference between approving, personally approving what someone does and accepting their decision and their free will that they have. Yeah. And I think that even, it even goes back to like the ethics that you're saying, right? Being able to respect a client's autonomy and say, Hey, you have the power to choose how you live your life. And that's certainly none of our, you know, we can encourage and we can, you know, challenge and things, but like ultimately clients are going to make the decisions that they make with their life. And it's kind of our job to help empower that. Right. And to empower to say, Hey, you are, what is it? You're the, the captain of your own ship, you know, you're the captain of your own destiny. So I think, what do you think are some unique benefits that could be beneficial to having a therapist who is also same-sex attraction? Like, what do you think are some, some great um, plus sides for that? 
Yeah, I think, you know, obviously this could build some pretty immediate safety with the client, with the therapist, right? Mm -hmm. That, hey, knowing you've gone through the same thing, you experienced the same thing, uh, that could really quickly build some rapport between the client and the therapist, which is really important, especially right in the beginning of a therapeutic relationship. I think too, you know, um, a client might not have to overly explain their experience, right? There might be some unsaid under, or unspoken understanding between client and therapist uh, just because they've been through something very similar. So um, I think that, you know, yeah. that's really valuable. You can't really put a price on that. And then I think too, there, there would be lots of great opportunities for the therapist to engage in some appropriate, healthy self-disclosure, right? Uh, and even having the client here, the, the therapist say, yeah, when, when I went through what you're going through now, this is how I felt. Do you relate to that? This is what I did. You know, do you think that would be helpful to you? So uh, I think, you know, all of that can build some great connection, empathy, vulnerability, understanding, which is all so important to underlie the therapeutic process. Yeah, I think I think the word that I really like the word that you use is appropriate self-disclosure. And I think that's something that granted my my role as a counselor is very different. I got trained to do something different, but we did have to do clinicals and practices of like therapy sessions. What advice would you have for like the proper self? Like how do you go about self-disclosure in like an appropriate way? How do you make sure that you're not overly self-disclosing to the point where it becomes your your session and not the client's session, right? That's right. Well, exactly that, right? That that also is laid out in our ethical code, thankfully, because uh, right. again, like we talked, we sort of referenced this earlier. If you as the therapist have some deep needs that are not being met, you're going to look for them to be met in this therapy hour with your client. And mm -hmm. that's not appropriate, right? This is their hour. This is their time. They're paying you for this service. And so I think, um, you know, ethically appropriate self-disclosure is in the best interest of the client. And so sometimes, you know, I have to sift through my own motivation. And when I want to share, when I want to self-disclose in a session, right, I have to think through, okay, I want to share this. It, it, you know, brings up this memory for me. I want to share this. Is this for my benefit or is this for the client's mm. benefit? And if it's for the clients, how will this help them, right? Thinking through that helps to distinguish if this is to meet you your need as the therapist or to meet the client's need. Yeah, I really like that. And I think that's really great advice. Even you can even apply that to being a therapist for people who are SSA if you want to specialize in that or whatever, because I'm not sure if this the per, the questioner was like, hey, if they want to specialize in that or they want to like that's solely what they want to focus on or if it's they're just curious. But I think even just in that sense, I think that's great advice of like, making sure, okay, is this for my benefit or is this for the benefit right. of, of other people? And I think that's something that as people who are hoping to go into therapy or counseling in general, I always make sure people question that too, right? Because I think a lot of the times I meet a lot of people who want to go into therapy or want to go into counseling because they've been through so much stuff themselves. So they're like, oh, therapy has been so helpful for me. So like now I want to pay forward. Um, I always say, hey, that's great, but just make sure your motivation is in the right yeah. in the right place, right? Um, so I think that's that's really key. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I think, you know, I'm about to go off in a different direction here, but go um, for it. <laughs> you know, I think what could be a real benefit to being a Christian, especially a same sex attracted Christian therapist is, you know, we live in such a litigious society, especially here in the States. And we're always ready, you know, someone's always ready to throw a lawsuit at you. And because of that, I think, especially in the therapeutic world, in this field, a lot of therapists have um, tried to assuage their own discomfort by not going through what would be considered ethical care with someone who is same-sex attracted and or dealing with gender identity mm. incongruence. Mm. So, for example, you know, um, usually as non-Christian therapists, right, someone will walk into a therapist's office and say, I'm transgender, you know, I'm feeling some incongruence with my gender, or I'm, you know, attracted to the same sex. I have a faith base, but I'm thinking about, you know, um, acting out on these attractions. Well, normally what <laughs> typically what a therapist will do is say, okay, yeah, you should do that. Here's some pamphlets on, you know, having a sexual reassignment surgery, or here's some, you know, LGBTQ groups that you can join that will help you to fuel that part of your identity. I, I certainly don't find anything inherently wrong with that, you know, psychoeducation, no. informing someone of the resources right. that are available. Right. But if a, if a client walks into any therapist's office and says, I'm thinking about engaging this big life change. I'm thinking about divorcing my spouse or dropping out of yeah. school or whatever it is. Yeah. A, a therapist would never say, you know, a, an ethical therapist would never say, yeah, you should totally do that. A therapist right. would say, okay, wow, let's talk about where this let's is coming explore. from. Yeah. yeah. Let's look at this from some different angles. What are the benefits that this could bring about for you in your life? What are some possible detriments? What are some things that could be given to you? What are some things that could be taken away? Right. They would just kind of unpack it, but we're not really seeing that with people who are walking in with either gender identity incongruence or um, same sex attraction because therapists are afraid, right, of, um, you know, uh, this litigious backlash, which I totally understand. But I think, you know, as we're talking about that ethical code, and we're supposed to act in the best interest of the client, I think to me, at least that goes hand in hand, if I'm thinking about what's best for me versus what's best for my client, Sometimes what's best for my client is saying, okay, let's unpack this. Even if it means I have to sit in discomfort and fear that I might be sued for malpractice because I did not immediately, you know, uh, totally, completely, overly affirm this decision. I, I think that's sort of a yeah. distortion that our culture has created. Yeah, I think we're we're so quick, right, to, as a society, we're so quick to be like, yeah, you do, you know, whatever, yeah. be authentic and live authentically, which... I don't think inherently is wrong and we should as therapy professionals as people we should encourage people to live what they feel like is going to give them the most peace right and I right. think that's even what God God says right God allows us to make those decisions but I think sometimes there's such a culture in the therapy world but even outside of the therapy world to like be afraid to ask questions or to challenge or to do whatever because it's such a people-pleasing mm -hmm. culture mm -hmm. and i think we're so afraid of offending people that we actually don't do the step of being like hey like let's weigh the the options here right because something like i don't know something with gender reassignment surgery or you know just something as simple as like hey you're battling with your faith background and yeah. you know same-sex attraction those are some big big life decisions you know um and it does it does necessitate some wrestle you yeah. know and some consideration and someone to 
to, you know, question and to ask questions. And I think for me, as somebody who went through that process of, you know, leaving the church and coming back, you know, I was really appreciative of a lot of the friends who were like, okay, like, we're going to support your decision no matter what, but like, let's break down, let's break this down, let's walk through this. Um, because, you know, it was just, it was a big decision. And I think that, um, you know, would be helpful with some therapy. And I did get therapy during that time. And I, I was really appreciative of the therapist where he was really great at being like, hey, here's some pros, here's some cons, you have to kind of weigh those things out. Something I didn't appreciate about that, though, I feel like in kind of to what you were saying, it felt almost like he was pushing me towards a certain right. side. And you can tell the side that he was, you know, pushing towards. So I was like, mm, I don't know. Like, sometimes I didn't feel like I don't think he fully appreciated the battle here because it really was yeah. a wrestle for me. Like I was deciding between something that feels so natural to me and a big part of my faith identity background that's played a role in my life my entire life it's all i knew yeah. you know so it was a really heavy decision um so how would you encourage like therapists to sit in that discomfort or to like kind of go against that natural urge to maybe be so too quick to be affirming like what is some advice you would give you think or for people who are just listening who aren't therapists but are friends or family like how can we really create that space of allowing them to question and to wrestle? Yeah. Well, first, I love that you use the word wrestle because I love that word. I use that a lot. I think we're out of touch in our modern society, even as Christians with wrestling. We want easy black and white answers, you know, um, and sometimes we have to wrestle, right? We're each in pursuit of a clear conscience before God. And sometimes that means really wrestling through what does my conscience allow and what does it not allow? So I love that. I think too, you know, um, I think a big part of this is surrender, which is like such a hard thing to do as not just as Christians, but even just as humans, because it challenges one of our deepest fears that we're not in control. And that's so true, right? We, we cannot control what our clients do, what our friends, our loved ones, even our children at a certain point, we cannot control what they do. And this is really like an existential crisis for a lot of people who have to encounter this. Um, but I think, you know, specifically for therapists, I was always taught it's my job as a therapist to act as a mirror, right? We, we talk a lot about mirroring and, and I mean, that goes along with the whole worldview, right? I, I tell every single one of my clients in our first session, my job is to be your mirror. I'm not going to reflect my worldview back to you. I'm going to reflect your worldview back to you. And so I always yeah. think about when God says, uh, you know, that our life and our doctrine need to match up. Mm. And, uh, you know, that's my job, part of my job as a therapist, right? If you're a Christian and I'm upholding your worldview back to you and you look into this mirror that I'm holding up, it, it, it can be really uncomfortable, right? It can be really uncomfortable to be the therapist and hold up that mirror and say, hey, there's some inconsistency here in what you say your priorities are in life and what you say you want out of life and the way that you're living. Do you want to change yeah. your values and beliefs or do you want to change the way that you're living? Right. And so it's not my job as a therapist to push them toward one way or the other. It's my job to say, Hey, there's some inconsistency the here. Yeah. Here's the mirror. You look, tell me what you see. Let's talk about which direction you want to go in. So I think that's all a part of it, right? Surrendering our control, our influence to, you know, control someone's behavior. Behavior, but then also 
especially as therapists, right? Saying, Hey, it's not my job to feel totally comfortable in this session. It's my job to be a mirror. And if I'm holding up their worldview and there's inconsistencies, it's my job to make that, make them aware of that. Now it's, if they say I'm good, I don't want to focus on that inconsistency or I want to change this or that, then it's our job to follow, right? We're not leading them anywhere. We're walking alongside of them. Uh, But yeah, I do think it's our job in part to hold up that mirror and say, Ooh, something's not quite fit matching up here. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I think that's that's so hard though. That's that's a challenging thing because I know. I mean, granted, it's not even the same. You know, doing my work with strength and weakness. Like when I challenge people or show the inconsistency, I think there's such a natural like people pleaser. I want people to like me mm. kind of thing. Or even in my friends when I challenge them, and I'm like. Ooh, this is like vulnerable. This is like I'm opening myself up to be like the quote unquote bad guy or to like, you know, do whatever. So I think, you know, just encouraging people to do that is so important. Um, so I appreciate all of that there. Um, any last minute, I know we're kind of running out of time here. Any last minute advice that you would have uh for people who want to uh do therapy for people who are same-sex attracted? or advice to anybody at all? Yeah, I mean, specifically for a therapist looking to work in this field, I would say definitely, you know, engage in your own self-work that will, you know, bring you um, to a place that nothing else can, right? Make sure you're sitting before the Lord, make sure you're getting regular help in this area of your life, especially if you're going to help people uh, who are dealing with the same thing, right? That can be so triggering. It can be so useful, such a you know, important, um, tool that God could use in, in these clients' lives, but make sure you're really doing the work too. It would be futile for you to, uh, do the work as a shell, right. As only a vessel Mm -hmm. not engaging in that regular Mm self-work on your own in your own life. So, um, but yeah, and then that's the other thing I would say, just that last thing you said there, Thomas was, um, you know, we really have to be holding up our motivate. Is this for my client's benefit or is this for my benefit? You know, uh, and what I'm saying to them in the mirror that I'm holding up to them and what I'm confronting them with, is this to make me feel more comfortable by being liked or is this to, you know, really, uphold my role as their therapist yeah well thank you so much ellen for joining us and uh sharing your expertise um you know we really appreciate it and thank you guys for uh continuing to listen and if you have more questions please send them in uh and if you want ellen back and you have more uh specific questions uh i'm sure you know i'm speaking for ellen but i'm sure she doesn't mind coming back (laughs) no we'd love that All right. Well, have a good one. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Ellen. Bye. Thank you for listening to Home From Home. We'd love to hear your questions. Please submit through the link in the description. Home From Home is sponsored by Strength and Weakness Ministries, a Christian organization that helps to bridge the gap between the Christian community and the LGBTQ community through awareness, education, and support. For more info and resources, go to strengthandweakness.org.